Kathleen Scama, president of Western Energy Alliance. Thank you very much. Had to adjust the level a little bit on there. Appreciate you coming on the program here to talk about a number of different topics happening in the energy-related world. Uh, first of all, how are you doing today? Just fine. How are you? You know, I'm not doing too bad. It's a busy day. It seems like the middle of the week right now when we're doing this, so it, it just uh, got busy this week all of a sudden. That's a good busy, though. Keeps keeps things going. How about in your line of work? I mean, it's election season's coming up, so I imagine you guys are staying busy. Oh, we're always busy, but yeah, it is an election year, a lot of uncertainty in the air, but uh, we'll get through it, whatever happens. So I wanted to ask you about uh, abandoned wells, if that, that's a topic that uh, you know anything about, if we could talk about that for a moment or two? Sure. So it is a topic that's getting some exposure over the last month, month and a half, more and more, obviously with the shut-ins happening, but the orphan wells, abandoned wells are coming to light. Talk to me about uh, what you've seen on these from your perspective in terms of, uh, I guess, responsibility and just a problem at hand. Well, it's one of those issues where, um, you know, it's not, uh, we all have an interest in ensuring that there are as few orphaned wells as possible. And with modern regulation and the attention on the issue, um, we're, it's just not happening that much anymore, and that's the good news. Um, regulators have been active on the issue for many decades, and um, what we generally find is even if a company is in trouble, and that, you know what, that's the worry. With um, so many companies underwater right now, and the, you know the price of oil was under zero, it was something like negative 37 at one point in April, um, that raises concerns about, oh my gosh, are all these companies going to go bankrupt and then who's responsible? Well, you know, assets don't just go away. If a company does become insolvent and, you know, actually shut its doors, it doesn't mean that those wells are just abandoned. Um, first of all, what a company in distress is going to do is sell assets. So there's almost always a, a company that's acquiring. When, a, when one company's in trouble, that presents an opportunity for other companies. So in general, assets are then sold or picked up by another company who's responsible. So there's a continuous chain of responsibility. Now, there are instances, there was, um, there, there was some... There was an issue in Wyoming where um, coal bed methane wells just became totally non-economic with the price crash in 2008, and that is a specific issue that Wyoming is working through that was kind of specific to coal bed methane. I mean, nobody drills coal bed methane wells anymore. Um, the good news is in North Dakota, um, there are zero orphan wells. There are strict regulations, and the state has been very proactive in um, ensuring that orphan wells, any orphan wells have been taken care of. Now, the state has also been very proactive working with industry, and I give a big shout out to the North Dakota Petroleum Council on this, is um, having, um, you know, getting some funds available to make sure that um, shut-in wells today 
can be brought back online tomorrow and not become orphaned. So they've taken additional steps to ensure that um, orphan wells don't result from this bust cycle right now. Following that, of course, in my my backyard, some of those things that you're talking about, I was going to ask you if you've been following North Dakota, and I understand Oklahoma has a, a similar type of a, a formula, similar type of a program for trying to prevent some of these orphan wells. Uh, Ohio, of course, comes to mind right away, uh, and New York for places where some some of these, they don't even know they exist, uh, so they don't even know they're out there. Talking about the liability, you know, you know, you mentioned North Dakota is doing some creative things to try to prevent it. That's where I wanted to go next. Where are you hearing from anybody in the industry about the potential that you know maybe this is in some cases, like I mentioned, Ohio, New York, this is you know p- politics from the past, and this is in everybody's best interest and. Whether the landowner's liable or the energy company from a hundred years ago, whatever it might be, right? At, at what point right. does the state say, you know what, we're, we're going to have to step in and, and and put some funds towards this because it is in the best interest? Have you heard any conversations like that at all? Yeah, absolutely. So you've 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 thrown out a lot of issues at once. So let me unpack them. So <laughs> imagine that. What, what North Dakota is doing right now is um, there have been a lot of shut-ins of wells, and that that doesn't mean abandoned or orphaned. That's just shut-in of oil production, because literally we were in a situation for the last couple of months where you could, if you ran out of storage, you couldn't find a a buyer to take away your barrel of oil. So producers had to shut in many wells. Um, That's temporary. And North Dakota, as I was alluding to before, and the North Dakota Petroleum Council, working with the state, has a program in place where some of the funds from um, the CARES Act and some of the funds that have come out from um, Congress to respond to the uh, pandemic uh, can be used for bringing those shut-in wells back online when the price comes up. So... um, because bringing a shut-in well back online costs a lot of money. It can be hundreds of thousands of dollars. So rather than having those wells shut in for good and have to be abandoned, plugged and abandoned, and a plugged and abandoned well is properly closed off. That is not an orphan well. That is a properly plugged and abandoned well. Um, but rather than having to plug and abandon wells, um, having some funds available so that companies can bring that shut-in production back online um, as the price recovers. So that's a good program to in, to help ensure those wells don't become orphan. And um, so that's that's a positive sign, and that will help North Dakota's economy recover as the world economy recovers and there's more demand for oil. Now let it, let's get to this other issue you mentioned. Uh, you brought on Ohio and New York. Pennsylvania is um, one of the biggest, mm-hmm. as actually the state with the biggest amount of orphaned wells. And so let's go back to about 150 years ago or so when wells were first drilled in Pennsylvania and, um, and Texas. And this was, this was way before there was a regulatory, way before states regulated oil and gas. So um, there were hundreds of thousands of wells drilled by companies that have been off the face of the map for decades, if not a century. 
So, um, and those wells, you know, I, I'm literally nobody knows where most of those are. They were never under any kind of regulatory regime. It's kind of like old mines, you know, like a prospector just went out and dug for gold or whatever mineral, and there was no regulation. In about 1950 or thereabouts, Pennsylvania and Texas and other oil and gas producing states started to regulate oil and natural gas. And so from 1950 on, wells have been documented, they've been regulated. But those wells before nine, the, roughly 1950, and it's a little bit of a different year for each state, um, they just never were regulated or even documented. So the Interstate Oil and Gas Compact Commission, which is a body of state regulators from the oil and gas producing states, they have tried to estimate how many orphaned wells there are. And so they have estimates estimates of orphaned wells since about 1950 and those undocumented orphan wells um, that are difficult for the state to even know where they are and how many there are. So for example, Pennsylvania estimates that they have somewhere between 100 and 560,000 undocumented wells. So that's a huge range and that's a, a very different problem than um, today where we have strict regulations, we have um, companies pay into orphan well funds to um, provide funds to help clean up those old wells. Um, companies also have to bond any new well they produce. They have to put so much money down in case for some reason that company did become insolvent. There is money to cover plugging and abandoning that well. So we have a very different situation um, from Pennsylvania. And in fact, North Dakota never even had that problem. North Dakota has zero undocumented wells. Um, North Dakota production has always happened under regulation. So, uh, and there are no orphan wells in North Dakota from those regulated wells either. So North Dakota has done an excellent job. How about like Colorado, um, New Mexico, you mentioned Texas. Uh, California's got a ton of them. I was reading. Uh, they've got a big problem out there. It sounds like. But um, how about you know Colorado? Some of these other kind of um, what do you want to call it? Uh, wildlife and wilderness conscious type states, environmental states. Um, I'm not sure what you're asking me. Um, if you look at the numbers from Colorado, there are about 275 orphan wells. Okay. Which in my book is 275 too many, but it's not. Uh, it's a very small percentage of the 52, well, 53,000 wells that have been drilled in Colorado. Right. So it's a very small percentage of them, and there are funds that each state makes available to clean up some of those orphan wells every year. And that money comes from oil, you know, new oil and gas development. So every year, states plug, um, you know, states are trying to reduce that inventory of orphaned wells. They have regulations in place to make sure no new orphan wells are created. But, for example, last year, 3,300 orphan wells were plugged and abandoned properly by states. And that cost, on average, and again, this is from IOGCC, the Interstate Oil and Gas Compact Commission. They're the ones that have put together the best data on this. Um, each 
each cleaning up each each orphan well costs on average nineteen thousand dollars. So those states um, take money from oil and gas development. They have funds to specifically uh, reduce the backlog of orphaned wells. And you know, you mentioned Colorado; they've got two hundred and seventy-five to work on. Um, California has sixteen documented orphan wells and about twenty-five hundred undocumented orphan wells. Those wells that were drilled before regulations were in place. So California does have a bigger problem. Um, but you know, IOGCC also estimates that you know some of these old wells, uh, you know, they're not all providing. They're not all necessarily providing a huge source of environmental contain, uh, contamination or anything. Um, you know, the amount of uh, emissions from them, for example, um, they estimate to be fairly low. But um, when they don't really know about them as much as you know, well, since 1950, it's a little hard to estimate, but they've got the best data. And so, you know, it's a manageable problem in Colorado. It's a manageable problem in California. Um, and, yeah, states are working on continuing to re- reduce them. But luckily, North Dakota has done an excellent job. Well, I wanted to ask you about some of the, I guess, increasing coverage of this. And, you know, we've been following it now for about I don't know, four or five years, I suppose. And, I have seen a lot more coverage in the past six months, especially. But I was curious, because it hasn't been a problem too much. I mean, I'm not reading about people falling in. I'm not reading about huge methane leaks or anything along those lines. But I wondered if the UAS integration and some of the drones and just some of the other work that's being done through the the infrastructure or hobbyists, whatever it might be, if that's how some are being discovered and, and et cetera. Do you know how some of the undocumented would undocumented wells are being documented and et cetera, et cetera? Well, um, IOGCC documented it using surveys of the state oil and gas um, commissions. Okay. So each state knows their state better. Um, again, you know, Pennsylvania has a big problem because it had some of the first production in the country. So, um, you know, that's a very different problem from a state like New Mexico or North Dakota that really doesn't have that um, undocumented well problem because, you know, they became states much later and the development started much later. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, it's an interesting... It just depends on the state. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I'm, in, I'm interested to see if... if something's going to happen with a, a program because it just seems like it's it's transitioning that way and uh sounds like there is you know there's states have them and it's uh it, it is something that uh, could keep uh people working i know one of the reasons north dakota is doing what they're doing is to basically keep people working so that you mentioned before shutting down a well is uh, something that tries to be avoided at, at pretty much all costs lynn helms uh the north dakota Department of uh, Mineral Resources director has said the same thing for years that we, we need to do everything in our power to not was it get down to rig zero type thing because mostly it's hard to find the guys to come work again after they took a new job somewhere else and I, I kind of chuckle at that but I know what they're talking about that is hard to find good help and and then to actually do the things necessary but um you just overall uh, from from your organization's perspective, uh, what where do you see the uh, issue of orphan wells going in the near future? Do you do you see a little bit more state involvement, or you see just kind of the way things are going now? That's the way it's going to be. Well, 
states have been very involved in this issue for years. Most states have um, have funds in place specifically to take care of orphan wells, dating back to the 70s, um, some states even back to the 1940s. So um, states have funds where they take um, funds from oil and natural gas development, and they... Um, you know, they, they work on that backlog of orphan wells. Um, you know, what else is not even documented by IOGCC is if you're a company um, that gets particularly uh, federal leases, but I'm sure it happens on private leases as well, um, you get a lease, and let's say in your lease there are legacy oil and gas assets. Like, there could be some orphan wells nearby where you want to produce now. A lot of times companies will plug and those um, orphan wells, they'll take care of those orphan wells before they start new development. So there's a lot of um, reclamation that is not even recorded by IOGCC where, com- you know, companies today, because they want to do new production, they, they take care of those old wells and remediate them. So that's a good story, too. That's not always captured in the statistics. Sounds good. All right. Well, how can people uh, reach out and become a member and be a part of your organization? So you can find out about us on at westernenergyalliance.org or follow us on Twitter at, at westernenergy1. And that's one, the numeral, not O-N-E.